Okay. Good evening, everybody. This is episode three of the Malt Travail. And this week's episode is all about planning the perfect beer trip. So a little bit of a homage to our 80s uh, kind of... Uh, start of all this uh, adventure uh, orchestral maneuvers in the gbg in the good good beer guide and that will be that will feature uh, quite prominently as we go through so evening bruce evening nick we all okay hello, hello everybody yep are we drinking tonight bruce are you are your taste buds come back yet yeah but i just can't face the beer i'm hoping we can start next time beer whiskey pie just can't do it yet it's start breaking really People, no, people start to doubt whether you've actually had a drink of beer in your life, bro. <laughs> I know. It could be you could at least make an effort, man. It was December the 27th last drink I had. When I felt, because I thought I was getting a cold and not COVID, so I thought I'll quick have a large whiskey and try and kill it in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I'd push you over the edge. Oh, that was Whiskey's it. Out, all the things I like, I can't face a really face a yeah. Uh, it's almost how much it's psychological. It's bizarre. It's really uh, you need a beer trip, bro. We need to get in a beer trip and you need to be it's drinking. Yeah. Drinking everything yeah. that hasn't been kind of pulled for quite a while. That'll soon get your taste buds back, you know, yeah. sweet and sour and vinegary. What are you on tonight, Nick? Are you drinking tonight? Yeah, I'm on uh, keeping it Yorkshire as always. I'm on the Guzzler tonight. They've uh, they've rebranded. Sadly, it's not brewed in York anymore because uh, York Brewers, it was, doesn't exist anymore. Uh, York Brewery obviously was sold to Mitchells. Mitchells then went under, so it's now owned by Black Sheep. So sad uh, luck. They are looking to find another place to brew in York, but they reckon the landlord where they were on Toff Green wasn't very accommodating, so that's why they, they closed the site down. Being well, brewed at Black Sheep at the moment. owned by the same landlord, and uh, they demanded a, a trebling of the rent. So needless to say, they just shut the door immediately. Insane. So are, are, are they still brewing at the York site? Oh, is that all no, just, no. Handed, no. just gone now? Is it just, just... Back. And the tap room and the tours, they've all gone as well. So Is anybody else brewing their cuckoo brewing at York? I was just completely derelict. Is it just being left as it is? is it? No, they, they pulled it all out because the landlord wanted too much rent. So oh, right. they pulled everything out. It's all gone back up to Black Sheep. Uh, they have, say, rebranded, but... Um, Maybe talking about a little bit later on about uh, low ABV beers. This used to be one of my favourite uh, low ABV beers uh, during the week. If you used to go to the Royal Oak or Malton where they used to have it on permanently, it meant you could have four pints of this on a Tuesday or Wednesday night rather than uh, three pints of something else because it sat a bit lighter. Um, it's not the same in bottles. I did have an opportunity at... at uh, at a trade show to have a word with the brewer and he said um, it is slightly different beer that they put in the bottles because um, it wouldn't uh, wouldn't keep the same it wouldn't present the same so he said yeah the guzzler in bottles is different to what we put in the uh, in the casks in the cakes yeah. so are they brewing the whole range so terry and everything and, and um well, quite well. So what else did they have? They had a dark one, didn't they, as well? Centurion, York, ghost, they? That was there, Centurion yeah. ghost was a ghost. But, but see, because the pubs were wet, they were barely open last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. One of yeah. them served food. Got really so hit, I guess, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the last drop, um, that's turned into a black sheep brewery pop-up shop, selling all black sheep uh, merchandise now. Right. Obviously Can you think, work. I mean, black, black sheep's not a... I mean, I don't know, size of breweries, size of breweries, but I mean, it doesn't always seem to be that, that big a brewery. And obviously they must churn out, you know, a hell of a lot of their own beer as well. So you wonder kind of how it all fits, really, how they can kind of, you know, juggle 
uh, doing doing both both sets of breweries, so it's interesting. Uh, I, think, I, I think I think they're just doing they're just doing four lines at the moment with the York yeah. Brewery uh, going on the merchandise here. Because when I saw the new label here, that I picked this one up in Asda, went online and I saw they were just advertising four different labels, all of the same sort of design, a bit um, brighter, a bit bolder, less traditional, should we say? I don't I don't mind it actually. I think sometimes you know breweries just rebrand for the sake of it and lose their identity. You get used to being able to spot through a window of a pub what they've got and neither say here nor it. And the next thing is the pub clip's completely redesigned and you don't have a clue. You just carry on walking past. Whereas sometimes if I see a beer that I like through a pub window, might not be a pub I particularly like, but if I see a beer that's on that I like, I think, yeah, I'll go in there. So, you know, I don't know why they, they, they change so often. I mean, once again, uh, Bruce, you'll be aware. I think Osset Brewery have rebranded at least three well, times. They've rebranded in beer history. They had a fantastic uh, crest with a pit head, you know, the mine pits and the, the pints. Uh, fantastic. And now it's just O double S above E double T. I hope they didn't pay any sort of marketing consultant to do that. It's, well, it, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of kind of all the beery people are all writing about the Anchor Brewery, you know, the Anchor Brewery in America. They've had a massive rebrand and I've not seen anybody who's like what they've done. So you do wonder why. I suppose they're just bored. I suppose uh, you've probably got lots of marketing people who are desperate to earn some money um, and are pushing and pushing and pushing. So uh, I'm talking of re uh, branding. Uh, I'm on uh, Buxton, which is a fairly newish brewery. In fact, I need to need to go because uh, I, I turned to Nick. I, we tried to get in the new tap and it was that busy kind of in that in between end of summer lockdown time. Um, but this is quite nice. It's Buxton Blonde. Uh, and they've got quite a nice range, actually, and quite a nice little design on cans as well. So this, again, I've had another box from uh, Honest Brew, which is great. I'm a bit of a uh, Yorkshireman, so I, I, I don't subscribe, but I've got to pay a tenner a month credit. I and mean, it's good because it kind of makes you kind of buy uh, just a few beers every month, and it's quite nice. So I'm going to follow that with a going completely opposite. I'm going to a Tiny Rebel Shakedown Mango Vermont IPA uh, once I've finished my Buxton blonde so there we go so let's crack so, on with I'll just admit, talking about yorkshire and branding uh i've also got one in reserve show you that one by northern monk uh, don't mess with yorkshire bitter nice i think northern monk is somewhere where when we get out of this thing i really want keen we have a go and have a look at that because i think they do some really good brewery uh, uh, sessions and things, so that'd be a good one. I think they're based out in Leeds, aren't they? And good, yeah. good place to kind of go to. So I just thought I'd throw this up. So on the uh, for those that, again who are watching it on YouTube, uh, I've just put on my first ever uh, copy of the Good Beer Guide, which is looking a, a little bit uh, tatty now. Um, and I bought that back in 1986. Would you believe? Which was the year that I left Sixth Form College. Um, I was well of age because I'd spend a bit longer getting my O-levels and A-levels and most of the people. So I think I was probably nearly 20 when I first bought that. Uh, but that, Bruce, is probably some of our first trips, I think. I'm looking at some of the my kind of very, very young notes written in that, that book. And then I've also got the uh, the newest edition on 21, which comes out, doesn't it? It's only just, it can't be out that long. It only comes out kind of just the turn of the year. I've not actually looked at I'm not Well, I've not, not been in the shop, so I've not seen it. Um, and I must admit, I tend to use the online version now. And then I've just put a number five there because there are five pubs which apparently have been in every good beer guide. Uh, I know Camera's 50 this year. And I, I thought I think the GBG is as long as old as that. But I think, Bruce, was it about 70? Well, you said it was about 76 when it first died or something like that. Yeah, I believe it was, yeah. Um, so there's been apparently there's been five pubs that have been in every copy up until 2021. Uh, and I think, well, I think I've been to one of the five. I don't know whether you guys can guess yeah. at what's is, in there. Or... Is one of them the old Cheshire cheese? No, 
I've been in one with you, Nick, a couple of times. And mm. if I say that probably Angus probably the, was the guy that kind of introduced you to it, it might give you that's a bit. Been on, Nick. No, that's not been in. Okay. And it's been in the news quite recently as well, this pub in uh, in Liverpool. You're in the right city. Oh, so well, the, as I say, you've got to be on Liverpool, then, aren't you? So the one uh, that we've been Roscoe. to is the Roscoe Head. Roscoe, yeah, It's yeah. actually just down the road from, it's on that same street as the film yeah. across from the bombed out church. In fact, there's, yeah. there's actually three or four really good pubs down that. Uh, yeah. I think me and Nick, we spent a few times. There's that, uh, what's, that, what's that weird one? Fly in the Bread, which is quite a nice, quite a big bar, but they had some good beers on in there as well. And the Roscoe's just took down the little street. Um, I like it at the end of it. You can see the Catholic Cathedral at the end of it, which is lovely. Um, and again, there's been a, there was a bit of a dispute uh, earlier on, I think, just before Christmas, and it looked like it was going to close. But again, lots of camera officials and people got together and local locals and managed to save it. And the landlady, I understand, has been able to buy out the lease. And so again, she's been able to go freehold. And so hopefully it will last. I think, Nick, last time we were in, again, I've put a picture on there on the that front loungy bit on the right hand side. And I remember me and you sat in that little table there, I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a real little bar, I remember like that. I'm just looking, you probably can't see there, but there's some cracking meal deals. Two meals for seven quid. Sausage chips and peas. Eggs, chips and peas. Don't forget peas and egg, do you? Veggie burger and chips, yes. I guess, I've, I've always enjoyed going there. I, I, I have been in there a couple of times when there were some. Uh, interesting people, shall we say? Um, which can you we, we, we're in two minds whether they go in, and I guess I think those bars outside the kind of door give it a little bit away, but actually, that bit that bit of Liverpool now is mad, it's banging the student kind of. I mean, it, Liverpool, I mean that area of Liverpool has just gone student mad a bit like it, you're off it doesn't really feel like a pub, though, does it? It does yeah. feel like you're sat in, in somebody's living yeah. room, or somebody's parlor, or it hasn't got much of a I don't know. Oh, 74, I've got it written here. 74 was the first good big And So the other pubs were the Star Tavern in Bal the Star Tavern in Balgravia, which I may have been to that one. That's obviously in London. The Buckingham Arms, which is in Petit France in London. Uh, the Square and Compass in Dorset, and the Queen's Head, which is in Newton, Cambridgeshire. So again, those are the five pubs that have been. It's it's quite a good record, that isn't it? Since 1974, been in every episode of the Good Beer Guide. Which is uh, interesting, interesting. So, any beery highlights over the week, guys? And we just said it's a bit hard, didn't you, have beery highlights? Hey, when Bruce is not drinking any beer, so he can't yeah, do beery highlights. Uh, and Nick, you say that you've not been drinking much this week? Not during the week, no. No, it's all up to me then. So, my beery highlights were uh, I had a tasting night with Beartown Brewery from Congleton, has done down the road for me, which is fantastic. And I'll come back on to that in a minute. Uh, and I've also signed up for the uh, Camera Winter Festival. Unfortunately, when I looked every well, the only box available do this deal where you can buy a tasting box, um, you know, which, which weren't cheap. They're about 50 quid. Um, but the only one that was left was Cider and Perry. And I just couldn't face drinking 20 odd bottles of Cider and Perry. So actually they're doing a five pound, which is, I think it's quite good value. So for the whole of the kind of, you know, the festival, the, whatever it is, three days, um, five pound gets you access to all the Zoom talks, conference, conference discussions, tasting, etc. So uh, that might be fun to kind of go and do that. Yeah, it's been a bit of, bit of bad planning that on behalf of camera, though, isn't it? I mean, not to have enough beer. 
when there's supposed to be, you know, supporting oh, it's just every logistics. little brewer that's out there. Yeah, I think it's just the logistics. Obviously, you know, people ordering, then you've got to pack all those those boxes up and get them sent out. And, you know, as far as I know, Camera, for most of is a voluntary organisation. Yeah, they're... but, you, I mean, you're saying at 50 quid, there are, there are companies and organisations out there who'll take that on board for you. Yeah, but I guess you know, you, you, anyway. And then the other one, actually, I've been listening to one or two of the podcasts, and I've been listening today to something called um, Rhythm and Brews, which is quite an interesting little concept. I think these guys have been around quite a while. Uh, two guys who uh, they pair beer with music because they reckon that, uh, you know, if you listen to that kind of music, uh, they talk about kind of bass tones bringing out the maltiness a little bit more and the top tones bringing out the sweetness <laughs> and the exponential feel. So where does that beer take you? So it's quite interesting. It's, if, you've not, if you've not heard it, it's quite your own. The, the very numpar music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting. And they do, uh, I must admit, they do quite a range of beers. And in fact, the one I listened to this morning, my little Boris Walk, was where they'd also teamed up with the guys that do uh, uh, Beer O'Clock, uh, and they're three guys from down Essex Way, two guys, sorry, from down Essex Way, and they just they just open some cans and talk about it, which is, uh, again, a great idea for a podcast, but they come up a lot of stuff as well. Okay, uh, being you, so we kind of, this is, a, just kind of put this in really, because over the last couple of weeks on these podcasts, we have just took, taken just a couple of minutes just to kind of look at what's going on. And obviously, I guess we are all camera members, so we've had our latest edition of What's Brewing and the Beer Magazine this last week or so, and that, that's usually a good thing. But there has been a couple of um, new stories that have hit the nationals as well. So we've got uh, four stories, perhaps just have a quick chat before we get into the meat of the podcast. Uh, we've been mentioning a little bit about the Garden Gate Hunslet, so I think Nick's going to bring us up to date on that. The bit that hit every paper, in fact, I've got the Financial Times cutting there, was uh, that Marston's Brewery in Burton, actually rejected a £700 million offer from an American uh, private equity group. So we'll have a chat about that. The big news in camera is that they informed us this week by email that What's Brewing, which is their monthly monthly paper, um, is going to go online and join the 21st century. And it seems they've got a lot of old older members at camera a little bit upset and they're all kind of ripping mm. up their uh, Weatherspoon vouchers, etc. I like the print edition. It will be the same. Yeah. And then I've also put down triannuary there as well, just that uh, obviously this was a, a little bit of a thing to try and help pubs. And um, I don't think it's camera thing per se. I think it's actually a couple of guys that set this up a few years ago now. The idea is try and try different beers. And I understand that it's been expanded now to cover the, the lockdown period, which again may well be going on for a while in terms of pubs and, and, and uh, bars and things. Uh, I think what's, I don't know if you've, if you've not had a chance, if you go on their website, there's a lot of uh, breweries that have got discount codes. So if you do fancy getting a uh, delivery of some beer, there's some good codes. And I, I think, guess I, what I found is what tends to happen is you get like money off, but that probably pays for delivery, which yeah, that's, yeah. I guess is a bonus really as well. So Nick, you've been doing a little bit, a bit of looking and digging into the Garden Gate at Hunslet, a heritage pub. Yeah, after our conversations last week, I thought, well, just having a little bit of a troll around anyway. Um, it seems to have dropped off the radar and a bit concerned that it would appear to be permanently closed again. No. Uh, discovering fact that Lee's Brewery don't actually run any of their pubs anymore. They've handed them over to Cameron's, so Cameron's are managing all Lee's Brewery pubs. So they have seven listed on their website, uh, but the Garden Gate isn't amongst them. Looked at Garden Gate's website, which is gangatelees.co.uk, that web domain is actually up for sale at the moment. Um, last TripAdvisor reviews are going back to, I think, 2019. 
They were inspected for their environmental ticket in December 2019. But after then, um, I can't find anything, even on Leeds cameras on site. They list five heritage pubs in Leeds, four of which, including the pubs that we talked about last week, uh, Delphi and, and Whitelocks, they all have little link buttons where you click on and it goes to their website. Now, the link button for uh, the Garden Gate is, is not coloured in. Um, so Leeds Camera are aware that it's not open, it's not operating, uh, but they haven't actually put anything on the website as to what may have happened to it. It is a Grade 2 starred building, so hopefully um, it can't be knocked down in a supermarket built there, because uh, obviously Grade 2 uh, star is, is second only to a Grade 1. Grade 1, I think there's only the Philharmonic in uh, Liverpool that we keep mentioning has Grade 1 status as far as the pub is concerned. So in terms of it being protected, I uh, don't think there's a lot of worry there. But I think it's as we were saying last week or the week before, you know, ultimately because it's in the middle of nowhere, uh, even when Leeds Brewery had it, I think they were probably keeping it going as a lost leader. Uh, and unfortunately, in the present economic climate, you know, businesses, places, pubs can't afford to do that. Um, interesting to say, well, finding out that... that actually from uh, people going to, from the football and rugby as well, I think uh, that was where mm. they got the biggest influxes of cash from. So I suppose there's been, that's not been going on as it, which what I felt. Hopefully it's just mothball because you would think God there'd be an outcry of that. Oh, I would have thought, you say it's one of the one of the, I'm just looking now. It, camera do list it as one of the kind of you know key key pubs in the kind of you know English uh, heritage thing. So yeah, it's uh, I guess one to keep an eye on, really, isn't it? for that, wouldn't you? That's yeah, sick. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to pick up the Marston story then as well, Nick? I know you've done a little bit of a research into this one. Yeah. So. Um... What, Platinum Equity, the American uh, financiers, had put in an offer that was categorically rejected by Marston's. Interesting to note, though, this was the third offer they've made. Uh, the original offer, I think, was for about 86 pence a share. Next offer was for 95. They'd offered a pound and five this time. Marston's had turned around and said it completely undervalues our firm. But if anybody is looking to dabble in stocks and shares, it looks like Platinum are pretty much after Marston's for whatever reason. Might be worth uh, buying a few shares. Also interesting to discover when I was looking up that, that in fact Marston's, after 200 years of brewing, in August passed all their brewing over to Carlsberg. They'd uh, formed a partnership with Carlsberg middle of last year. And as I say, they've now decided to hand all the brewing over to Carlsberg. So no more brewing by Marston's. And they are just concentrating solely on managing running their pubs. Um, so interesting that some brewers have decided that you know pubs are more important than beer and vice versa. Some that beer is more important than pubs. Yeah, and seven uh, million pound for a fourteen hundred pubs does seem very seems a cheeky offer, though, doesn't it? it? Has to be. Although I read that Marsons themselves valued themselves about six fifty million, so it's interesting mm. kind of where that figure is. Um, and again, I, I think remember just before Christmas they actually took over all the brains pubs. SA brains were heading to financial problems and uh, Marston's actually bought out there or took on their 156 Brains pubs as well. Uh, but I will say that in my our local press in the Midlands here, um, they've just cut 2,150 jobs. So I think Bruce's colleagues in the uh, DWP in uh, Burton and area will be uh, probably uh, uh, very busy. So And they, that's a fifth of their workforce apparently. 
um, which I guess most of that will have been based in pubs and uh, yeah. distribution. So I guess another another COVID thing. Uh, we've mentioned, I think we've mentioned the what's brewing thing. I say, with, well, I think Bruce likes it. I'm not, I'm not that keen. I prefer the magazine. Um, and I won't miss the paper copy. Mine tends to go on the fire, I would say. Likes the fire. <laughs> and we've mentioned triannuary. Uh, I just, yeah, I just thought we'd just talk a little bit about Burton. Obviously, Burton's been a place that certainly we've, certainly, I think we've all been on a, a little bit of a trip to Burton at some point. And <coughs> certainly one of our early trips, Bruce, I remember me and you going uh, to Burton. Obviously, it's uh, just That's down the line from me in Staffordshire. Yeah. And obviously, it has a massive uh, part in the whole history of brewing and, the bass symbol, which I've got on the screen there, you know, the the what is it, the oldest trademark in the world to ensure yeah. that you were drinking. There's Nick with a the glass there as well, uh, which is again, you know, way beyond its time, I think. Um, and obviously they had the Burton Union system. I think we talked about last week about the water, about it's it's like sulfuric in water in Burton, which is very soft and is great for making uh, beers. And obviously all the IPA story, although. Uh, I understand that Burton never called it IPA. That's just kind of what got la labelled with that that Burton Pale Ale that went across and I guess um, fueled fueled the empire, didn't it? And it was those ships taking the beer abroad, which um, shook the beer up and, and and conditioned it. And also, of course, the other hidden story is also the Brass Brewery and their link with the uh, Russian development of the Russia of Russia as a kind of superpower. In that again, it was their stouts that were uh, shipped to the Baltic, and so you know. Uh, and I remember, I don't know that I've got a picture there when you go in the brewery museum, and I must have. I probably will need to go back there at some point because I remember we had a we had a almost a day there, Bruce. It's a fantastic museum, and it's got everything, and, and they've got that scale model of what the town used to be like, and it had its you know Bass had its own railway system. It was phenomenal the amount of kind of pubs. Uh, now, I think at one point they were brewing, so like a third of every beer in the world was brewed in Burton, which is fantastic. Uh, obviously, the big guys kind of started to move in in the 80s and 90s, uh, Coors and Inbrew and Anusha Bush, and you've now got those massive, great cooler things. I've got in a picture there, those lager coolers there. Uh, Burton Bridge uh, Brewery, which kind of was in the middle of all of that and a little bit of a kind of oasis. Yeah, it's still there, still ticking over, and I think I think they still work out of that 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 pub, which is a little bit out of the town, which is always it was always an interesting little place, wasn't it? It was kind of again probably ahead of its time, wasn't it? All kind of stripped back floorboards, and and it, it, I remember every chair being different, but the beer was all right. Beer was beer was had that had that kind of Burton taste to it, that yeah, bit of a Burton taste. And he used to travel yeah. on the YouTube scene an awful lot of places away yeah, from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously now, I, I don't know what you guys feel, but I just feel like it's been absolutely kind of killed. Um, the, you know, all the brew now is they just brew. I was looking at what actually caused an in-brew brew, and they brew, you know, you, you think you're drinking Japanese lager or Italian lager, you're not. You're drinking lager that's brewed in, in bloody exactly. Burton. The Marmite factory, though, is still hanging on there. Um, yeah. So obviously, Marmite is a, a byproduct of the brewing industry, and uh, it's actually a German guy who, who set it up. And it, uh, Marmite is still in Burton. Um, and I did make some notes about this that they still make something like fifty million uh, jars. That's it, fifty million jars a year of, of Marmite. Uh, although it's now owned by Unilever, and again, a little bit of a threat because they just moved from they had their HQ in the UK and they've moved now to Netherlands. Of no, no, they've changed the mind. Probably, 
Oh, yeah. fantastic. And I did, I did, I did, and did you know there's a Marmite Museum in Burton, which I didn't know that. So I think that's the next thing. We, we go to Burton and we go to yeah, the Museum and we go to the Marmite Museum. And I didn't know this. Every batch of Marmite is slightly different because it all depends on what's been brewed yeah. that, that last week or so. And when they tip all the whatever yeast out. That Essentially, goes it's a live product, isn't it? Yeah. And, and so they say every batch is slightly different, although it's fairly consistent, 97%. There's a, there's a little subtle difference. And apparently there are connoisseurs of Marmite who know that that's a different batch and probably said, oh, that was the, uh, the Peroni last week that they were brewing as opposed to the, I don't know, what, Carlsberg Premier, whatever it, whatever it is. You should so never eat Marmite before you go to bed either, you know, because it'll keep you away. I quite like Marmite, actually. And I think, well, I think we all like Marmite. The, the picture I put on the screen there, that's a 60-quid bottle, that is, because it's got a silver top. And, of course, Marmite's crisps, rice cakes, it's all over the place now, isn't it? They're really kind well, of... Well, so the branding again. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, they, they've, they've been successful in the branding. I mean, the actual branding, the actual shape of the bottle and the colours that they've used, they've never changed that. Yeah. They've done the special editions. I know I've got a jar of the XO... Yeah, yeah, special yeah, in, in, yeah. In, and they've done various other ones. Guinness, but, uh, Guinness, yeah. Guinness Colab, didn't there? There's a Guinness version of it as well. Yeah, there's a Lynx man, mate, wasn't it? You could spray yeah, on Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And it's funny, isn't it? you know, uh, you look at things like uh, Bovril, and listen, there is another kind of version. I know there's Vegemite down in, in Australia, mm -hmm. which again is quite famous. Just doesn't taste quite bitter. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny how that Bovril maybe didn't, and Oxo, I guess. I think Oxo for a time wasn't just wasn't yeah. a bloody gravy cube. It was a, a a beef extract or whatever it was. Yeah. And obviously, uh, Marmite is vegetarian, isn't it? So I think that's where they've got a slight advantage from obviously the, the, the beef based products. Um, so I just put up, you know, uh, Burton uh, in Coop. Oh, we can forget Double Diamond maybe, but in Coop, we're a massive brewer. Worthington's, of course, we're a massive brewer that eventually mm. got taken over by Bass. Uh, I think you can still get their um, Worthington's uh, or what's the beer I'm thinking about? I've lost it. Well, you had, you had White Shield, which White was Shield, the, yeah. the iconic bottle yeah, condition. Bottle Once condition. again, that's, that's come and gone. I think, I think some breweries bought the license for it now. Um, small, small, I thought they still brewed a little bit of that at the actual. Well, they, they were, but even even then, I think yeah. that's that's gone again now. Uh, oh, so I think the didn't it? Where the white shield, it was really, really lovely, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember my brother-in-law Andrew, who works for uh, Mercedes, the guy that he used to do his cars for, uh, work for work for um, uh, Bass, and and he, he'd always be Andrew, you know, when you in the good old days when you got a tip at Christmas, and he said, "What do you want, Andy?" And I would say, "Andy, get him to get us a crate of white uh, a white shield," and it was <laughs> very very nice. And obviously, um, uh, what was Worthington's kind of be? What was Worthington E? Worthington E, yeah, and that's still that's, I guess that's still a Belmont keg, isn't it? Places as well, so interesting. Uh, and then we next mentioned is like a, a budget bottle of beer in the supermarket, you could mm. get like a bottle, couldn't you? Yeah, it just vanished again, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it didn't taste like bass though, the bass that we used to drink. Yeah. yeah, and then I've just well, I've just put on again, I'll read it out really. Bass Brewery is actually now owned by Cause, and obviously, they, they don't they actually sold the bass brand, the bass. The Bass Beer brand was actually bought by Anusha Bush, the Budweiser people. Um, but if you look on their website, they don't even list Bass as a core beer. And again, I was amazed how many beers they now own. Uh, both, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's as all things, isn't it? Um, Bass was being brewed, cuckoo brewed at Marston's, which is, again is a little bit of a, I guess there was some very old Bass people turning in their graves that their rivals Marston's were brewing it. Um, but I think most Bass you can see now is actually brewed in Lancashire, um, just outside Blackburn. Uh, or St. Louis. And again, I did a bit of reading in this, and apparently when Coors bought uh, Bass out, 
they wanted to kind of, they felt bass was too old fashioned. There was no man's drink. Um, and it was just the time that they just also bought Caffrey's. So they pushed, apparently they stopped to stop promoting bass completely and they put all their promotion onto Caffrey's, which was that, if you remember that uh, very nitrogen, I put their mm. red ale from the Irish, Irish beer. Big Irish yeah. beer. They gave you a hell of a banging headache, if I remember rightly, which I think I've mm. mentioned that story before. Um, so, uh, and I've just, I think maybe next week, because obviously these guys are based up near Tadcaster, and that's a similar kind of history, you know, a very, very uh, famous brewing town, obviously with the two Smiths. Again, a bitter rivalry, family rivalry broken up. Um, and again, we've just been discussing, obviously, John Smith now is, is all owned by Molson Coors. Sam Smith is still one of the, you know, one of the few independent breweries still going on in their own way. So again, we might have a chat about Tadcaster really as well and the band brands and things that have come past there. And again, I just guess the phenomenal range of beers that Molson Coors now kind of pump through. And I think Bruce, if I remember rightly, if you remember, we actually went, we went, we, as well as going on the brewery museum, we went on the brewery too, didn't we? We, we, we went oh, to really interesting, yeah. And they just they, put they, it. Tell you saw the bottling plant, didn't you? The cannery. Yeah, if, if you remember, they just put in that brand new brewing kind of plant, and it was basically what he said was, we just, it's like a computer, and we just press a button, and we just press a code in. He said, so this is going to be bass, bass bitter, and we put in one three seven, and the machine just does it. And after an hour, it kicks all that out. It, it, spray, it kind of cleans itself. And then I, then I tap in something else and that's whatever, that's lager, whatever lager we're going to brew next. And it's just it's just 24-7. The machine just does one brew. Then we reprogram it, does another brew. And it was kind of just like robots making beer, wasn't it? And very few human hands went anywhere near that beer. It was just, you know, I just remember this. Huge... I think one of the most disappointing experiences you've ever gone in your life is to visit a large brewery, though. Because I remember... Yeah. As a kid, uh, well, I was a child, I was about 17, I went on a, the first brewery I went to was Sam Smith's. In those days, they actually let people go around because we had a working men's club where I worked, course, the Bright City Working Men's Club, and they would pay for you to go. Stop at Pub on the Way, then you visit the brewery. They have a fantastic cellar bar downstairs where you get the pick of the beers. And there was a buffet, they pulled it out. But I truthfully believe that maybe it's kind of walking through floors and they'd be like rivers of fast flowing <laughs> air and you'd be able to pick up a tank and just... I think you'd be watching the bloody Wonka, Wonka chocolate factory. I remember. Well, no, yeah. no, yeah. it's not with any It was the biggest disappointment I've seen these great vessels in it. I should know better, of course, but yeah, it's they definitely. They have the Yorkshire squares, don't they? The, 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 the unique way of, of, of brewing. They have the Yorkshire squares, which are basically big open swimming pools. Yeah. Uh, I think lined in copper or slate. I remember going to the Thixton's brewery and seeing theirs there. And there was a guy that was loitering back. And he had one of those little 35 millimeter um, camera um, film cases. <laughs> and I said to my other half then, I said, hang on, I said, this bloke's on with some here. And I think he was trying to acquire some of the yeast. So I deliberately <laughs> loitered back as well and kept an eye on him. And he never got his opportunity. But uh, yeah, I just remember seeing the open because he's racking now health and safety and hygiene. Whilst there are still a few breweries using the Yorkshire, Yorkshire squares. Um, they've got to be very, very keen and very, very persuasive when environmental health come down because I said these things are basically completely open, not to the elements, but within the room. Uh, nothing's uh, nothing's covered over. But it is it is a sight to behold to see all that beery foam going on an expanse of uh, yeah, like a mini mini lake of beer. Yeah, yeah but Sam's still using them. They're still, it's still there. They still use their, yeah. uh, their stone squares to ferment all the rails. Yeah. I guess what it does, it also kind of brings out some of that, that natural yeast as well. Must must drop in there as well and work it through. Yeah, no, I, I can remember that, Bruce. In fact, 
I've just put a, a, a slide up here of um, some of the pictures of me and Bruce when we last went to Burton. And I think we probably after about eight pints, we were sat in the beacon, which I'll come to in a minute. And I, I can remember you reminiscing, Bruce, about, I thought there'd be rivers of beer running down. Have you been to Cadbury's, Bruce, in Birmingham? Because, you know, I think that's where you might get your Wonka experience. I've heard yeah. that they do really have rivers of chocolate flowing through. And you just dip your cup in and Augustus Gloop goes around the team. Um, <laughs> I've just, I just remember, I'm just reflecting back on it. I guess it's one of, you know, a trip we, me and Bruce have been on. Yeah, well, we mentioned the National Brewing Centre, which is worth going to. And as always, that tap that they have there, it's a, it's a bit more kind of, yeah. say, like Guinness. It's, it's a bit, it's obviously, it's a lot bigger now and they do weddings and things in it. So I think when yeah. we went, it was just in its early days and I, the bar still like it is in a picture there. Mm. And I think, I remember we had a pint of bass, but I remember we had, in fact, I think the, the guy behind the bar said, you want to try this Imperial Stout. And this was his Zars Imperial style. It was 8%, but I just remember it being absolute nectar. Yeah. Um, I remember we only had halves, I think, and they served yeah. it in those, those old-fashioned tulipy glasses. You know, like kind of them little, kind right. of, like, I don't know what they are, like kind of old, old, old ladies' barley wine glasses. They just, I just remember it tasting absolute nectar. To um, be fair, I know that was the late 80s, early 90s, wasn't it? But, yeah. they, uh, but they, had, uh, they had set up a microbrewery. That's right, yeah, they were, the yeah. They were and, brewing uh, some of the old-fashioned beers, weren't they? Yeah. Weddings and personalised bottles, so... Yeah. They were trying, but obviously, yeah, it's very, very sad. And yeah. as always, I think we've, we've said that, haven't we? You know, they thing about beer travelling. Beer always tastes best, doesn't it, where it's brewed? There's something so, about yeah. maybe the, the terroir, as the French would say, about, you know, it, it does. It always tastes the best in its hometown, or even better from the brewery tap. And, yeah, the Beacon was an interesting pub. We'd kind of run out of pubs, I think, and we were... Yeah. Burton's a bit of a weird place, really, because although it's on the train line, the train line's a weird line, really. And we were trying to get back to Stoke, so in the end, I think we had to bring my wife up to come and pick us up. And we, we kind of... We, I think we got on a bus and got so far out of uh, Bur uh, Burton and found the, the Beacon, kind of a road, on the old, one of those old roadings, probably an Indy Coop, I guess, in the old days, yeah. and uh, full of locals. And we, we survived. I think we, I think we went to Tutbury then, which is a nice little place as well. And then I remember that end of that trip, Bruce. You you managed to get my missus to drive our car through the winning post on you talked to race car. So do you remember that? I think we called it for fish and chips. And you said, "Oh, come on, we'll just I'll take to the race cars because obviously Bruce knew the race cars well with with your dad and I've been there a few times." And he said, "Oh, you can just drive on the race cars." I remember literally driving on the race cars, literally where the horses run past the bloody winning post, and then. Good days, good days. Uh, and I've just put this in for my reminiscence, really, uh, yeah. about a pint. I think, you know, if you if you did find a good pint of bass in the good old days, it was uh, a hell of a drink, really. Um, it was, it was. And this was this is one of my, when I was at university in Loughborough for four years, and uh, the guest, I guess one thing for me was beer was quite flat in the Midlands compared to what it was in Yorkshire, where we had our sparklers and our uh, returning. Swan uh, next. Swan next, yeah. Um, but there was a place called the Cap and Stocking in Kegworth. And I, th I think we might get onto cycle beer trips in the, in the future. Certainly me and Bruce had a few of those in our early days. And I used to cycle to Kegworth. It's probably about, I don't know, seven, eight miles from uh, Loughborough. Uh, you, could actually, you could actually go down the river there. Um, and this is a little backstreet boozer. And this is where they still serve bass in barrels. There were no pumps in this pub. They, they bought, they brought it up and it was lovely and cold. And it was in those Staffordshire, you know, uh, jugs, which I put a picture on there. And I just remember it being, again, f absolutely flat as a fart. But certainly when you bike for seven miles, just tasted like bloody nectar. And in the end, I managed to get, a, I don't know, probably seven or eight of us from university used to kind of make a trip out there. And it was like a bit of a homage 
uh, and uh, really good. Um, I think you you reckon Bruce is a, maybe oh there was a maybe a couple of spots round your way that you still serve beer in jugs. Well, uh, so the last one I went, the last one I know in Yorkshire was the pub at um, Langdale End, uh, near Statendale and Scarborough. Uh, that was the last one around. I needed to serve it in jugs. Yeah. Um, that was fantastic. I never, um, never got to I forget the name of it now. Reckon that's fantastic. But as we open now, and yeah. we'll have to check that out. Yeah. But the last time I was ever in a pub, I served beer in a jug was at the uh, Brunswick Tavern near Derby Road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we went there. Then I was on the way to see you at university. So yeah, that's yeah. 30 years ago. I've no doubt. <laughs> I, think I first went to Brunswick. I remember, in fact, it's when, I, the first, when I went for my interview at Loughborough back in, again, probably 86, when I bought a good beer guide. And there, it was snowing. We, I don't know when the main interview, I guess it was somewhere in December time. And it was snowing like hell when we set off back and the train was delayed. And we they, they literally said to us, get off the train. This train's not going. Get off the train. Go in the pub across the road. And then we'll come and shout you when, the, when we can get moving again. <laughs> so And it's funny because there were about three of the guys with me. And we all got into love, but we all actually ended up in the same course, which is, which is quite remarkable, really. Um, so there we go. A little Thinking about being from the big ones, you really like the idea of it, but it never tasted that good. Oh, I don't know. I did there. I, I'm just trying to think. A, a couple of places I've been to in Cornwall and Devon still have the barrels behind the bar. You know, kind of just no pump. They're just kind of it's quite common down there. Um, uh, Saint Austell, a lot of their beers kind of taste okay. Again, because they, they don't tend to sparkle anyway down south, do they? It's often a flatter beer. Uh, but that's yes, yeah, interesting. Maybe that's another thing we can come back to. Really. So, a quick quick mention. I did my uh, beer town, which is a great little brewery. Um, I think about fifteen years fifteen years old now. But they're based in Congleton. They have three pubs. Um, they are do, ah, they're doing quite well, I think. They they said that lockdown had been quite kind to them. Obviously, the pubs hadn't been functioning, but they've been doing some really good uh, off you know off sales and, and uh, brewery packs. And um, they came up with a, I think, a cracking idea. Obviously, beer, bear, bear town. The story about Congleton, I don't know if you guys know, is that um, the town uh, loved bear baiting. And they got to a point where they were getting rid of so many bears, and then they sold the uh, town's Bible. So in the good old days, each town had a you know a very impressive Bible, all in whatever gold leaf, and they flogged it to buy a bear. <laughs> and so they came, and so they became infamous as this you know god whatever you know, whatever folk to buy a bloody bear to be tied to a post and and like dogs on it. Uh, and, they, and so they take their bear town, and there's, there's a big bear theme across the town anyway. But all their beers have a have a bear link really. So they did a great idea that it was it was you know kind of pub in a box kind of idea. Um, you got uh, eleven different eleven of their beers uh, in a box with a, a nice glass. Um, you also got some hops and some malt in there as well. You got a tasting list, and then they also said, "And we'll do a Zoom tasting on Friday night." So uh, it was twenty five quid. It was great for me because they even delivered it uh, straight to my door for free in one of their lovely liveried vans. And so it was a merry Friday night, uh, sampling yeah. some quite nice beers, quite a, quite a range really. Um, and I mentioned these guys. It was obvious. Quite, there was eighty-five people. They actually sold. Um, where's my list here? They they'd sold a remarkable list. You know, for a small brewery in, in kind of Staffordshire, they'd sold one hundred and seventy of those boxes. And, wow. and one had gone even gone to Japan, Denmark. They said Denmark, Japan, Belgium. So, you yeah. know, phenomenal, really, isn't it? And, yeah. and eighty-five people were on this Zoom call. 
uh, last Friday night with three guys from the brewery uh, who were based in one of their pubs in, in Congleton. They kind of set up in there uh, and took us through. Uh, but it was obvious most people have not been drinking that much for quite a while. So by about the fifth beer, both the guys doing the talk and most of the people watching were, were fairly pissed, shall we say. Um, <laughs> and you could tell that from the comments and things. And in the end, it was at the end, they kind of turned the cameras around. And uh, I was amazed how many people have, I was very envious. These people have bars, you know, in their garden sheds and in their cellars. And it was uh, like, Nick, really? He's got his bar in his cellar. But, you know, they had the full kit and they're all sat there. So it was a good night, really. They do some quite interesting beer. That Smalls one I've put on the screen there. Um, the Smalls one, that is a... Uh, chocolate and marshmallow milk stout, which was very uh, interesting. And then we finished the evening with a creme brulee, tipped upon there, uh, which is uh, again based on creme brulee, and that was an imperial stout nine percent. So that absolutely pushed <laughs> most people completely over the edge. Um, I really like the Wachek Wachek uh, beer, which is a uh, golden ale. Um, again, interesting story. Wachek, you know this, Nick. This was the bear that was in the Polish army in the Second World War. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually was quite a famous bear. I don't, it was, yeah. There's a long story to it. It was kind of abandoned and I, I, some particular guys in the regiment picked him up and he, he came with them. And, yeah. and by all accounts, he was put on a... He, the, the regiment was sent off, I, I guess, to Dunkirk, uh, not Dunkirk, to, um, you know, the D-Day landings. And they refused, the Royal Navy, Royal Navy, refused, we do not animals on board. Yeah. And in the end, they actually conscripted him, and made, him make, yeah. made him a private so yeah. that he got, he got uh, a rank, he got his, he got his, uh, he got his rations, he got a kit, yeah. and, and, that, and that, they couldn't refuse him. Um, and apparently, I think he, he ended up being a sergeant in the end, by all accounts. They used to put him on guard duty with a, with a wooden stick. And then he was also used for carrying ammunition as well. That's right, carrying ammunition. And I think he ended up in England somewhere. He ended up at Edinburgh Zoo or somewhere, I think, and, and lived out. He's quite quite a ripe old age. So, but that was a really really nice beer. So, again, if you see any of their beer, beer, beer uh, Bear Town, um, and I, I do like their design. I think their design's fantastic. So, I would recommend if you get a chance to do one of those tastings. It, it, it wasn't quite like being at the pub, but it wasn't a bit. And it was interesting what the guys were saying. Um, you know, they were really honest. Their kit is secondhand. Uh, and so, you know, people were asking, why don't you do this? Why don't you? And they said, look, it, wouldn't, it would be crap. Our kit's not good enough to do a hazy New England IPA or a, a sour. So our kit's just not good enough. So we stick with kind of what we know, really. Uh, they were feeling that. They think bouncing will be bounced back from all of this. They think there'll be a, maybe a narrowing of options. They think that people want now. Uh, just, you know, make it simple. I want a dark beer, a pale beer, and then one somewhere in between when I go out. Um, they don't think people are going to carry on. I'll have half of that, half of that, half of that, half of that, or oh, a new, you know, that's a new version. Um, they also said that they they said they they reckon that now um, canning has now replaced bottling in virtually every brewery. So canning is now the thing. And those breweries that were a little bit behind the curve have really struggled because trying to get a canning system now or trying to I mean, I think what a lot of brewers did was buy, you know, they'd buy a slot, don't they, at a canning place. Yeah. And they were saying it's, it's almost... You get, you get mobile canning, uh, basically, yeah. a wagon turns up and it's got the canning plant. Well, they were it. saying they're just booked up now for like three years. So if you hadn't, if you'd got a canning plant, it was good industry. Now, I think, if you remember, we when we went to Thornbridge, they'd just extended their canning line, which was yeah. a good timing, wasn't it? We, me and Nick went to a brewery too there and they were making a big play on that. Well, I, I mean, what's the other thing with cans is cheaper raw material. Yeah. Yeah. lighter to transport and is that thought now that beer actually keeps better in the can because it's yeah. completely flat out 
there's no no light affecting it, whereas in a bottle beer can be affected by by light. Yeah, and the point they made three thirty milliliter. I mean, five years ago, nobody drank little cans of beer, did they? No. no, it was barley wine and, and some obscure stuff. It was all those big... Mackison. And actually now people say, it's what you want to drink, you want to like... Because this way you can maybe pick four or five different beers in the supermarket, mm. for example, try something yeah. different. If you don't like it, well, it doesn't matter too much, does it? It's only kind of five mouthfuls. So it's quite interesting that they were talking about that. And I guess with the soft drinks industry, this size of can is probably a lot... You know, there's, there's millions and billions of them out there, so I guess it's easier than having those big cans. That's quite interesting, so... That was a good good Friday. Right, let's get down then to... Well, uh, before, before you oh, move on from Congleton, uh, he talked about Wozniak the Bear. Oh, yeah. Another Watch another it. military piece of trivia. As far as I'm aware, if I can remember, Congleton has more VC winners. The town oh, has produced yeah. more VC winners than any other town or city in the country. I yeah. think they have three lads who came from Congleton, different wars, won VCs, First and Second World War. Uh, and there is a statue to one of those guys called Eardley, I believe, in Congleton. It's been a few years since I've been to Congleton. But uh, if anybody goes to Congleton, make sure you go and uh, pay your uh, pay, pay honour to, uh, to 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 the bravest of the brave. Uh, seek out the uh, the the memorial to the VC winners. Well, I think they've got a nice little town, Congleton, and some nice little villages elsewhere. So I think that's another one we you need to chalk up. Boys need to come down, spend some time down here in Staffordshire. And I'll sure. take you around Congleton's pubs, and uh, this, I said yeah. there's quite nice, some nice ones. I said Weatherspoons is quite nice in Compton as well, you know, for, for Weatherspoons. Okay, so we're on to just let's get back to the nitty gritty planning our trip. So we said this week we're going to focus on uh, kind of the logistics, kind of getting it all planned, getting it all ready. We've talked a little bit about this over the last couple of couple of episodes, but we're going to look at kind of when and where. So how do you decide when and where you're going? Kind of what, how do you do your research? Um, transport and travel, the important bit. How do you get there? Uh, we've mentioned, as you've probably heard, food several times, and I've got a few little um, reminders of us that we've done in our own thing. Uh, we, we've talked about this schedule before, really, this kind of, and that sometimes, I don't know, I guess it slows down. I always feel that we, we tend to slow down these trips, don't we? And often we maybe have got a list of eight or nine pubs, yeah. and actually we end up doing about five or six and said, you know what, let's stop here. It's quite yeah. nice here, and we've done that a few times. Um, and then the final pint, we mentioned that again, you know, where do you, where do you end up? Where do you kind of finish? So logistics, I've got here, when? Saturday, midweek or a Sunday? Let's talk about pros and cons really, isn't it? Saturday, you've got that Saturday feeling. Everywhere's open because increasing now, I mean, even here in York, with all our trade, amazing how many pubs are opening till four or five o'clock on a weekday evening, uh, you know, Monday through Thursday. Uh, the pubs on Bishy Road, the great pubs have got great reputations. It's not worth his while opening the day, you know. So it's really quite sad. So if you run the risk of going on a midweek day, there's a big chance some of the pubs are going to be closed. And we've fallen foul of this before, haven't we, Nick Rayleigh? Our, our, our last trip to Sheffield, Bush, you remember we stopped off in Rotherham? We did, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that there was a lot of option, but there was a bridge in that is just outside the railway station. We It was a, a case of time, I think, the first thing to consider... Is your start point, but your start point is actually your destination. And we've always aimed to get as far as we can for about midday. And then from that point, oh, really? things start oh, to work backwards. But obviously, going to Sheffield from York, it was only just less than an hour on the train. We knew we'd be getting to Sheffield sort of in morning time. So we thought we'll stop up in Rotherham, get the first pint in the bridge, in, which is a, it's an old mill. Uh, pub in it's the uh, old mill from Snaith. Yeah, that, uh, the pubs tend to be quite good and it got a decent write up. And we got out the station and uh, 
it was closed. And we thought, is it just close to lunchtime? So we went for a walk around the. Uh, You're fair, Rotherham was closed, really, didn't it? <laughs> and that, that, that was an eye opener, and and Eddie back, and it was still closed. So we uh, we realised actually that there was no chance of it open at all. So on the tram to Sheffield, we went. Um, so that that was the last time I can think that we had a bit of a disappointment, really. Okay. There is a great feeling about if you go midweek, it does feel as though you know quite special. Obviously, you're missing the day off. Work. Yeah, yeah, I, I felt that. And, and I, I on a market day somewhere like that. I can, rem- I can remember one pod. I think I think I remember one again fairly illiterate where I guess it must have been Saltaire. Where's Fanny's alehouse place? Saltaire. Yeah, and I think we only went in there because all the other pubs in our list were shut. And it was yeah. fairly new, and that was the only place that was open. Uh, and I think that was mid, that was um, Twixmas. It was between Christmas and New Year, I think. And it was about the only place that was open on whatever the 28th of December. Well, no, the, the, the problem with Saltaire was up until about 15 years ago, there weren't there were any no pubs because obviously yeah. yeah. it was a tight salt. Uh, I always thought he was a teetotaler, and I thought it were ironic that they named the new bar at least Bradford Airport after him. But in fact, he wasn't. He liked to drink, but he didn't want any of his workers drinking. So when uh, Saltair was created, there was no pubs. And I say right the way up to really the 1980s, there was nowhere that was licensed premises. Yeah. Um, and then I think you had a sort of a pub stroke restaurant open and then Fanny's Ale House, I remember, opened in the old police station. Uh, there are a few more pubs there now, um, but there weren't any buildings that were appropriate for, you know, for, for, for pub use at that time. So we probably end up in Fanny's because... Um, it was the only place that was actually licensed. It's a cracking pub on a, a winter, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I think a lot of the pubs that we probably want to go in are very much, again, often independent, and therefore it's a landlady it's landlord. Before it closes down, too. All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, often it's a landlord and landlady's decision if they want to open up or not. And if it's a horrible wet day in December, do you know what? Mm-hmm. Go on them, sometimes they don't, but that doesn't help us often. Kilcannon mm. when we get in there as well. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? I, I live on a, um, a, a Cadbury's estate that was set up by, obviously, the Cadbury company, and they were, again, teetotal. Uh, I think Roundtree's were the same. Quakers, yeah. Quakers, chocolate. yeah. Quakers, yeah. again, we haven't got a pub on our estate because that was, it's, and it's stipulating the, in our D's and things that you can't do that, which is interesting. So I think the midweek one, I probably would say maybe our preferred um, Saturdays we mentioned last week are okay and you know things are open but as we said if you venture into city centres and places like York etc then uh, Saturday gets a bit rowdy you often get people on the door uh, door staff often you know um, it's a slightly different vibe uh, and Sunday I can't think we've, we've probably had a couple of sh- short little trips on a Sunday and I guess a Sunday when you've got no work on a Monday it's a bit but flat, doesn't it? if you're not going to otherwise it feels a bit flat doesn't it and I guess we can still remember can't we when Sunday public transport hours. as well public transport yeah. but also Sunday hours I mean when we were drinking in you know in the 80s and 90s Sunday hours were quite strict weren't they mm-hmm. uh, yeah. basically open for like what three hours on a Sunday lunchtime and then That's that was crazy. it shut and then again early early closing on a Sunday night and it's uh, yeah. it's not that far ago uh, I always think I was talking about the and I, I always think we always seem to be going in the winter. All, most of our trips are always kind of in the kind of dark months. Um, so I don't know whether that's because we're wearing holiday and stuff in the summer, but it just yeah. feels like most of our trips have been when it's been fairly. Yeah, it's all so much like atmospheric, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's at its best on a dark 
cold winter's night with lit fires, preferably dim lighting. That's the way to get the full experience, isn't it, really? I guess yeah. for us, Bruce, we can also, you know, that's maybe we get in the future and talk about things like cycling. And certainly when in the summer, we, we've had a few cycle little trips out, haven't we? Whether that's, like you said, going to Westo or Kirk, and we mentioned, and um, oh, we're yeah. just going out to the Greats at Apton and the Golden Lion a bit further on at uh, Greats yeah. Bar, is it? Remember, and I think we've been as far as Kirby and, and uh, Huntley Hall. Yeah. And, and had, a, had, had a drink there. So, you know, I think that was maybe the summer. Um, and that's quite a few of the camera um, uh, local areas. They have those. Um, and the York one's quite popular. You know, they go on yeah, the, the yeah, bike yeah. trails, whatever they are, bike things. Yeah, Friday night five, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. in terms of the day Nick's mentioned, I think we've talked about this, yeah, the plan was always to kind of settle fairly early, get to your furthest point, and then work backwards and try and get there for, again, in the good old days, it was 11 o'clock, wasn't it? I mean, these days with spoons, I guess, you could have a breakfast and a pint at half past eight in the morning. Um, although I don't think we've actually ever done that. I can't think of yeah. maybe in an airport. I can't remember having a pint with a, a breakfast. Although there are lots of people that do. <laughs> yeah. I remember taking my missus when spoons first started doing um, breakfast. Well, probably 10 years ago now. I remember we, we shot, we, I think we were Christmas shopping. So oh, we'll go and get breakfast in spoons. I mean, what went in there? And there were two guys at the bar. And it was about half past eight. We'd gone early. We were going to get there before, you know, shops opened. And and they were they were on by the time my breakfast was ordered, they were on their second pint at half past eight on a Saturday morning. <laughs> and I don't think they've been working all night. I think they were plenty of there all the day. And they hate well, it's, it's it's the pension, is it? On the pints uh, of Stella. I remember I went to the one in the South Alburns and and that's probably the 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 you, you mentioned the spoons that you like in Congleton, but the one in South Alburns. It's probably the most stunning spoons that I've ever been in. They've got Mitchell's Gallery. It's an old medieval barn inside. And I went in there with my other half and it was early lunchtime. And the spot wasn't busy at all, but all the tables in front of the bar all had a single old boy sat on them with their shopping bags, just drinking pints of Stella. And in the space that I was in there, about 20 minutes, some of them are neck to Stella and on to the next one. Mm. I mean... You know, I, I can drink a pint in 20 minutes, but I said to our lass, I said, well, they've probably been here since mid-morning. Like, it's no wonder they can't walk, you know. They're probably on four or five pints it's, of Stella. Uh, but... It's quite funny. The couple of times I've been into town, which is not very often the last few weeks, there's a group of them who are kind of still meeting outside both the Weatherspoon, the George and Dragon in town, and they're drinking <laughs> coffee. Well, it looks like they're drinking coffee. And obviously, <laughs> I guess it was, you know, that's their social life, isn't it? That's what they do. They come out of the house and they go somewhere warm. <laughs> Don't have, to pay the, don't have to pay the bills uh, for the day. Right, on to research now. Uh, I'm going to ask this question, really. What, what, do you, what do you really think about the good beer guy? I mean, it's, that's been kind of one of our kind of Bibles, but... It's been reliable, yeah, it's the car. I can't fault it, really. I mean, you know, it's a bit like... But uh, I guess I'm getting at kind of the pubs that get in there often are at the, um, whatever the word is, you know, it's the local camera yeah. uh area isn't it they they actually they may well run a um and i think it's got a better now. i think you can i think everybody can now put forward but i think in the past it was a little bit of a kind of a pollock bureau years ago because uh, <laughs> that's where the camera boys drank on a wednesday yeah. night and, well, and whatever got a backhander from the landlord to get him in some disagreement with jim who ran the blue bell jim sadly passed away about 18 months ago it was a great bloke, Jim. And uh, the Blue Bell, which, of course, probably the country's finest preserved Edwardian pubs, was uh, admitted from the Good Beer Guide. And, of course, uh, he called the camera the guys weirdy beard. He said he would miss them. <laughs> made the national press. And, uh, yeah, that's right. There was a little bit of uh, 
they had too much influence locally, didn't they, really? But to be fair, generally speaking... You think it's fairly consistent? I think, you know, there are pubs that you wouldn't want to be getting there. And equally, there are pubs where you wouldn't want... Why are they, where, oh, yeah. why are they yeah. not in? Well, the, the, the other problem with it, they always said it was more on the quality of the beer rather than the ambience, the friendliness and the fixings and fittings. Yeah. And the other yeah. problem the camera guide is, is the, the time period between drawing it up, putting it together and sending it to print, you're looking at six to nine months. So as soon as it hits the shelf... It's out of date. Mm. So you could have pubs listed in there that either aren't open anymore, changed hands, new landlord. And that's the problem. I think this is why you're going online now. You're getting more up-to-date reviews, whichever review sites you're reading. Yeah. And you've got more of an accurate picture of what yeah. might be going on in that pub. And I especially if you're planning to travel quite a distance just for a pub, you want to make sure that that pub is still as it's always seemed to have been. Whereas if you arrive at the good beer guide. Process now, Nick. Well, there is something great about having a solid booking around, isn't there? I mean, look yeah, at... Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Michael Portillo was going on his train journey, he's looking at an iPad, <laughs> it would be the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got... Yeah. I've said, looking back to mine, I've got notes scrawled on them and, you know, points and directions and things. And I think... And I, a point you're making there, I remember that... I know Sam Smith's pubs have always found it quite hard to get in because obviously yeah. they don't offer, offer a range of beer. They, they, they just sell Sam Smith's beers. And therefore, yeah, they're, they're great pubs, but they don't get in the beer guide because the whatever. Uh, yeah, we mentioned so obviously we I think we talked about beer in the evening, which we certainly used in the past. It's maybe not quite as popular as it was. Um, again, that's very much uh, people's own opinions. Um, I've been using Untapped recently, which again is a bit of a catch-all. It's mainly about kind of looking at beers that you might want to buy, but it has pubs in there as well. And we've mentioned that I think it's great that the camera guide is the camera guide is now online, and I think that that seems to cover a lot more pubs than the ones that are actually in the books there. But well, yeah. actually, I mean, the, the, one of the problems with the printed one, it's not a problem. It's nice, but I mean, I've got the 1994 and the 2012 guide here. You can see the difference in size. Mm. So if you sat at home reading, then that's fine because you get more for your money. But to carry something like that around now. Yeah, it's too big. That is 900 odd pages. That was 400 pages. And I understand the latest one is even more. Yeah. It just gets too big, gets too heavy to, to lug around with you for the sake of, you know, on a, on a particular beer trip, you're only looking at a section maybe like that. So and of course, in terms also, of comprehensiveness, probably a victim of their own success, which is why, yeah, online it's, it's a lot more practical. And it also gives you a list of breweries as well. It's not just pubs, it also gives you the yeah. list of breweries as well, doesn't it? Which is it's a good beer guide uh, yeah. That's kind of what it is, and and actually, I'm not again. To be honest, I haven't, I haven't bought one for a while, but the ones I have got, there are also some good good reading, and you know, there are other articles that, yeah. again, you know, people like Roger Protz and people write, don't they? Which I think is again is is quite useful as well, really. Yeah. So that's research, and I just thought I'd throw this in because I think these are great. These are the kind of the local um, camera uh, district um, groups that often have their own little. Ale magazines and, and Ooze Boozer is the one which uh, is in the York branch, which is a great read. Uh, down me, it's the Potter's Bar, which again is very similar to Ooze Boozer in its style and really good read. And it was always great picking these up in those pubs and reading. Oh, them. yeah. And then, Excellent. Maybe, you know, maybe yeah, yeah. just dipping in and saying, oh, there's a really good pub here down the road. Um, yeah. And good reading like on the way over. These are written by pub lovers, aren't they? They're by yeah. people yeah. in the week Everyone's yeah. singing off the same hymn shake. Yeah, they are great. Family. And they all seem to have their own little kind of subtle differences, though, you know, a bit of regional, a bit of local bit there as well. So that was a great, great read. And again, you know, the, the hours that people voluntarily put into those is fantastic. And it's free of charge, isn't it? It's free, you know. Uh, I know they have to put advertising in there as well. I guess it's a good, good uh, 
thing for the landlords and landladies to kind of put their pub in there. But I, they're always a really good resource and guess take them away and plan next time, which is always a good little thing to do as well, isn't it? To work it through. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. We're on to transport. We've mentioned our love of trains because <laughs> we always <laughs> seem to spend most of our uh, trips kind of on train. And we've mentioned our love of the sprinter train, which I think is long gone now, isn't it? Always about to be long yeah. gone. Yes, the paces. Yeah. Um, as, as long as as long as there were more than one carriage, because that meant they should have a toilet on board, because that was another important thing. The more beer you drink, the further you're travelling, the more you need a loo, which is why your train is always more favourable to a bus, really. Is. Although we've mentioned again some of the problems with stations that don't have any toilets on them or toilets. It was, there's the weakest planner, I dare say. I think it's probably me, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> we've on platforms and let for a change come and pray the toilet works. Toilet works yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're, I think you know we've we mentioned that we kind of we we kind of secretly have a quite a, an interest in heritage and and uh, history and I can I think trains always seem to have that, don't they? I guess they are. They're very much part of our heritage in this country we're very much the backbone of the industrial revolution etc certainly for the, the northern bit of the country uh we've mentioned the steam trains to howarth um and obviously north york malls is again local to, to nick and bruce and uh bruce's uh, nephew who's famously on settled the, to carlisle, to carlisle. they have a real uh, yeah we've got the picture of the ribble head viaduct there, there which often is on trips out to carlisle you go on that uh, I've also got a picture of the coastliner buses, which are great for those in uh, northeast. They travel from uh, Leeds, etc. Um, I think there's a Middlesbrough version as well, and there's a Leeds to Whitby and Leeds to Scarborough, uh, and they're quite nice buses, though. They've got uh, nice seats yeah. now and USB. Uh, excellent, and in fact, I keep I keep seeing on the back of the bus because they because they own all the bus franchises across the north of England, a bit like Northern Rail. It seems you can get a day ticket, and they're suggesting on the back of their buses you can travel from um, east coast to west coast. Yeah, yeah. With their with their bus links, I still need to look into it, uh, but they reckon by getting a day rover, and yeah, if you do your own work, you can you can travel the the full width of the country. Uh, you because... could go from Scarborough to York, then you could get the cities out non-stop bus from York to Leeds. From Leeds, you get up to Skipton really easily. And then from Skipton, of course, you can get on the Transdev bus and go uh, right uh, out uh, across to Burnley on the, uh, they call it yeah, the Penny Witch. You yeah. can have an amazing, uh, that's yeah. what we should do, you know, do yeah. a, a tra get a Transdev day ticket and see how far we can get in a day. If you can go from Scarborough to Burnley and call in a day, call in a day, you're not going to be so bad, are you? You're not going to get many pubs though, bro. So maybe a weekender and stop overnight. Yeah. Well, you could be at Spoons at Scarborough at seven o'clock, then get to Mountain. No, yeah. I don't know. You'd be surprised. Nick. You'd be surprised. And again, I'm looking at Whitby bus. That Whitby bus is great, but it does go a hell of a long way around to every village, bloody village to get to Whitby. So that's one of the challenges you've got a little bit. But yeah. I think we've got a picture there, Nick. Actually, I think, I think that Nick's that's just getting a buzz at Robin Hood's Bay on one of our North Yorkshire Moor coastal beer trips. So I think mm. we'd just done, we'd done Whitby. I think we were done, we'd call in Robin Hood's Bay. We had two fairly dodgy pints, if I remember rightly, down at the bottom there and at the top. And then oh. we're en route to Scarborough, where we uh, ended up in the Stumble Inn, which we had a, a good little crack in there, which uh, is nice. Foo, we've talked about this already, so I've got some images just to kind of tempt your taste buds or whatever. Um, I've got a picture there of the Bury Market and one of the, I think there were actually two black pudding stalls. Yeah. That, that's the one that we tend to go to, which is more in the middle, I remember rightly, um, and doing those black puddings that you can have hot or cold, uh, fat or lean, state your business. 
slattering mustard or vinegar, whatever, and have me. Piccalilli. Big five ice cube tub full of piccalilli. I don't remember actually having a drink in Bury. I just remember going to getting on a tram from Manchester, from Piccadilly or Victoria, getting out to Bury and just literally going in the market and buying a black pudding and then getting back on the tram to go back and find some beer in Manchester. I don't actually think I've ever had a beer in Bury, which is a bit remarkable. I've also got a picture on the screen there of Stansforth's celebrated pork pie shop in Skipton. Which again is another one of our regular haunts on the kind of west of York trips. Um, again, uh, well, there's always a queue, isn't there? So I think it's quite well known. It's a little bit, it's kind of behind the kind of main street, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to know what the nearest pub is to that one. The castle's uh, across the road. Castle across, yeah, at the top end of the marketplace. Oh, there. they're all shepherd down the canal. That's the bottom, though. Is that? Oh, that's a bit further down the canal. Yeah, yeah. Walk down the canal, go down yeah. the steps by the butchers, along the canal. Royal Shepherd, which is where we always used to go. But no, I think that one was, that was our starting point. That was our breakfast. The thing was with us, those pot pies, they were different to a normal pot pie. They, they weren't jelly inside. It was it was hot brine. Yeah. And also there was a lot of cracked black yeah, pepper in with the yeah. pork meat. Yeah. So by the time you'd had one or two of those, you were, that's a thirsty because of the salt brine and the cracked black pepper, <laughs> you needed a pint. So that was the, that was the start of the day, really. That was breakfast. I, 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 and then I I you just go around the corner to the to the bakers and then get some of those great big parkings, <laughs> great big flat Yorkshire parkings that really have to yeah. suck. Carry one of those around in your pocket for the rest of the day, and uh, yeah. It, I always think though, I think Bruce could have been a poet, and the way you used to kind of little, whatever the word is, lyrical about those pies or the hot juice running down your chin and everything, <laughs> and, and that's that was a problem because they came out hot, so all the. Uh, the jelly, I guess it was, was 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 running, wasn't it? So if you weren't careful, you spent the rest of the day with oh, a great big fatty yeah. stain all the way down your front. And uh, I've got well, you, had, you, had, you, had a, you had a special pose to adopt, didn't you? It, it, it was a Stanifers pot pie oh, pull. You used to like, yeah, stick your shit right out, pie yeah. out here, and, and, and then you used to drain them off into the canal. I mean, that canal had so much salt in it, there was a shoal of herring under the bridge. There's a, that pie shop's next door to a bridge over the canal. And like Nick says, you've got the pose, but the brine was that hot that you could be, over, <laughs> be hanging over the bridge. And uh, unfortunately, the scalding out of jelly could fall on the ducks beneath it. You know, the RSPC were there, they'd be in big trouble oh. there. And then I've also got a picture of some uh, black or Carlin peas they call, which I remember right, we used to buy in the Staley Bridge buffet bar. I'm going to remark it, yeah. Jump, jump on the train for the next stop, which is probably Uddersfield or Marston. I would have probably actually probably Marston is next from Staley Bridge and the, the, river, the uh, riverside in there, what it's called. And then I've also got a picture of Thomas's Bakers of Yorkshire, which Yorkshire folk will know well, Thomas's. Um, and uh, Bruce, I, I, I guess Bruce, you spent a considerable amount of money in Thomas's over the years. Yeah, and we won't talk about your love life when you were kind of starting <laughs> a, a young, pimple-faced boy. You always seem to fall for ladies behind the uh, the counter at uh, Thomas's in Morton. Anyway, uh, and I've just got a few pictures here. Nick, I've got a picture there of you crossing the road in Russop, which is a little village just outside of um, Whitby. In fact, I think the pub was shut, which is why we ended up in the butchers. Uh, but apparently they're getting award-winning pies in that butchers, aren't they? I can't remember. Bruce, Bruce sent us that one, but I actually preferred Bothams in Whitby. You like oh, yeah. theirs. Yeah. Then we went to, once again, pork pies, Bothams in Whitby. I preferred Bothams. Talking about there's actually a really good, I don't know if you've been, you, you, you guys have been in there, but there's a fantastic new bar across the road from Bothams, which is called the, I think it's called the Abbey and Arch, which used to be an antique shop, but it's now yeah. being converted into one of these kind of micro bars. And I've got to say, we had a really, really couple of. Again, it was in it was in that lockdown 
post period where you kind of had to October, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was really, I really enjoyed it. I had some really nice beers in there. Really good landlady, land, uh, landlord. They were really chatty. Uh, lots of dogs, which I don't always kind of get on too much with. Uh, I've got a picture there of the Miner's Breakfast, uh, which Weatherspoons do in some northern pubs, which is their mm. take on Eggs Benedict, which is the normal muffins and poached eggs, but with black pudding. Um, and that is in the Electric Wizard in Morpeth, which is quite a nice little Weatherspoons. Again, tucked away. One of those that was a cinema. I feel like the one in Hexham, Nick. That's a cinema, wasn't it? Yeah. The one in Hexham. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently, the Electric Wizard was named after Dr. Wilfred Brodie, who was a Scottish magician who used to use electricity in his hat, which is quite interesting as well. And then the final picture is of a humongous Ulster Fry, which mm. is not technically in a pub. But it's kind of fuel. If you ever go to Belfast, you have, I think Bruce, you put me on this, you have to go to Brights, which is uh, just down the road from that burnt out Primark. If you remember Primark in Belfast yeah. burnt down. And there is actually, I found two really good pubs actually just around the corner from there last, last time I was there. Uh, one really old fashioned, God, like you were very narrow I mean Andrew went in then there's also a place called Harry's Bar just from there as well but that's that's the Brights of Belfast um, famous breakfast and Brights is like a it's also like an American diner isn't it kind of stuck in Belfast Uh, they do a fantastic breakfast and well worth the the money and good fuel Um, I think after that I went to Kelly's Cellars and drank some very nice pints of Guinness and then went to Mass Uh, pint to travel ratio we've we've talked about this before as a kind of a the kind of schedule that you've got to stick to really and I think most of our planning is normally a pint per pub isn't it I think that's what we always kind of start with Uh, we sometimes kind of stay for another one Always in the bolt makers, we managed to squeeze a couple in. Yeah, uh, or maybe sometimes, perhaps when you're waiting for, you've got maybe 15 minutes before the next train goes, the next buzz mm. goes, and it's always that question: Are we going to sneak a half in or yeah. a pint in? You have a silly, a quick silly one. And oh yeah, I have a, I have a mad one. I've also put a plan B there because I've just got a screenshot there of I think that's probably at York, where there are lots of trains that are delayed or cancelled, which again we've had a couple of times when you have to start thinking kind of a, a new route. So that's always really important as well. Because in but, the old days, we didn't have apps on our phones, so there was always that. It was harder, wasn't it? Uncertainty. We're going to get to the train, would it be there? Mm. I suppose now again, with all the access to information we've got, that's kind of gone now, wasn't it, really? And yeah. I think, have, have we been struggling? I mean, again, like I say, we probably, even before you had mobile phones, because we were starting all this. I, I can't remember anywhere where you are absolutely stranded, where we were thinking, Did you get stuck one day, in, uh, the, the, the snow came down quite heavily in Howard, think we had to sort of get back Yeah. And- you know, I've, I've got some pictures somewhere of us standing on the station there, and it's like you say, it's absolutely flying it down with snow. But anyway, we got we got we got back in in somewhere. And I remember being in. I mentioned this the week. I remember roaming around Bradford on a buzz, <laughs> trying to trying to find somewhere to drink because uh, <laughs> everything was stuck to the snow. But I don't think we've ever got completely kind of. No, no, no. I know, Nick. You you fell on you you. Fell asleep on the train a few times when you've been on your top. Yeah, yeah. You off a few times and back to Moulton. Mm. I think got to Scarborough. Thankfully, only in yeah. Scarborough, which is the the night watchman waking up. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you a couple of times you've got away with it, but I think you've also actually been stuck in Scarborough, haven't you? And had to ring up and say, "Get a taxi back, thirty quid." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It's yeah. always a bit of a hidden one. I remember an expensive end to the beer, beer, like you say, it probably would have been cheaper just to, to book into a Premier Inn in a yacht for saving a lot of money. I can remember Bruce being, in fact, one of those nights, I remember Bruce being kidnapped by my rugby team. Yeah. We were uh, we were up from Loughborough playing in the the uh, the old um, British Nuclear Fuels Challenge Cup, whatever it used to be in the good old days. We played yeah. punch ball in York and Nick and Bruce had come out. We'd had a fair few beers after the game. And then Nick, I think that's Nick got on the train and fell asleep. And then Bruce, you were kidnapped by, by Dino, a big, big, a big, Dino, a big lad up. from Glossop. Uh, <laughs> and we ended up, you ended up coming for another an extended drinking tour around Loughborough. <laughs> God knows how he got you back on the Sunday. I remember you ringing your mum saying, "Mum, I'm in Loughborough. I'll be back for me, I'll be back for me dinner sometime <laughs> Sunday," which yeah. is always good fun. And then we come to the final pie. And I think in the good old days, we mentioned that we used to end up in Sudbury's, which was in Malton, the Crown Hotel. Which uh, was where the Molten Brewery Company was also based, and that used to be our kind of final stagger back after a trip somewhere. And we mentioned that Neil, the landlord, um, was quite welcoming. <laughs> he just let us in in that state. Um, obviously, now with Bruce living in York, Bruce has got a very nice pub at the end. Of, well, he's got two nice pubs actually, very close to him. But the Fox is literally at the end of your street, isn't it, Bruce? Which is a cracking is, yeah. uh, pub uh, with a very nice beer garden, which has kept you well over the lockdown period. Um, and a, yeah, the heritage pub, and it was the uh, drinking all of the, the most of the carriages. Well, one of the two biggest carriage works in the country was literally just across the street from us. And uh, in the old days, this place would be teeming and teeming with uh, guys from the carriage works on a lunchtime. Um, they weren't really supposed to drink, but they'd have a couple <laughs> then and go on the from that. And then the, yeah. then the brush, brush brushing the asbestos <laughs> off the cells. Uh, <laughs> but I was, I was reflecting, actually, as we've got older, we often end up kind of having to be picked up by my spouses <laughs> or other halves at some point these days. So yeah. we, we often don't get the, uh, the, we are the, then the, somewhere. York, York, York tap on York Station is the point that me and Bruce normally say yeah. adieu to each other now as he heads off home on his bike and I uh, I jump on the train back to Moulton. So York tap, it's, it's, I know better taps, you know, the, 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 the company behind the taps, they've, they've once again, they've done a fantastic job. I've always really got issues with one in York, I don't know. Um I think you know the building itself uh, doesn't help, um, but uh, at least it offers real ale, and uh, it means you can literally sit there till two minutes before your train arrives. And they have a vast choice of beers. They've got about 18, 18 beers. Yeah, and I think I think that's the problem sometimes for us. I think they have too many beers on. Uh, I've often gone in there, and it's not been on the form it should be simply because they're not pulling enough through. And also, I said the building itself, the toilets never give a nice aroma in there. I know it's the plumbing and stuff like that. And, and where the toilets are located rather than being downstairs or upstairs, they're right next to the bar. But uh, as I say, it, it's, 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 it's good that it's there, but I know of better taps, certainly Sheffield Tap and the one at Harrogate as well. Are, uh, if anybody is interested in visiting railway station taps, then I would recommend Harrogate and um, Sheffield before the, uh, before the York well, one. I was going to say, without being too nerdy, we might do a future podcast on kind of railway and stations and drinks. And, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you say, it's often useful... Yeah, because you, you, you've been the one in Houston a few times, haven't you, Mike? Yeah, and I think if you've not which, been somewhere... Which is downstairs, sub, subterranean, isn't it? Yeah, and either you want a quick... Well, uh, some of it is, but most of it's upstairs. I think if you want a quick bit, or equally, if you want to... where you, If you're going to catch the train somewhere where you can wait without standing on the horrible concourse or, you know... I mean, something like Birmingham or Manchester, Piccadilly, just horrible. So I tend to find... There's a nice little pub, actually, around the back of Piccadilly, which is quite nice as well. Uh, Fullers, Fullers have got one at King's Cross now a lot of people still don't know about that it's uh, immense that is massive that's the old postal that's the old parcel depot so it's, so it's off to the side but it's actually on over the station concourse and say 
a lot of people I speak to don't realise it's there. That's that's a cracking place to, to well, sit. That's, um, that's maybe a, a future future episode. And yeah, I think my view is I think the best thing is ask the staff what what's being pulled. You know what's what's going out quick today, and I'll try that one rather than like you say sometimes. Um, for, especially when we're there in the early, you, you, a lot of the beer hasn't been. And again, that's we've we've talked about it before. I've got something else to, to talk about. As well. well, I suppose the other thing you see, they have a lot of passing trades, so it's not a case of in the serving beer that's not quite hundred percent. They're not thinking, oh, this person won't come in here again because there's a probably good chance at fifty percent of the trade they probably won't be going in there again. Okay, so we're going to I think just start to come to the end for this podcast. I think we, we noticed we've probably hit the hour mark again. Uh, again, if you have been listening to this and if you've enjoyed it, please do. If you can leave us a review somewhere, we're available on Podbean, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on YouTube. Uh, please do share and spread the message. Uh, the focus next week, and I think we're flogging ourselves doing every week, but there we go. We listen to these podcasts once a month. Uh, we're going to look at some past pilgrimage. And I thought we'd have a look at some of the uh, our kind of probably our best three, and I, I must admit, I was I I come up with these, but I think the other team might agree with me. Um, yeah. I've labelled first one kind of west of York, <clears throat> which is quite a broad discussion. But I think, as you've heard us talking about Keithley, Ilkley, Skipton, they tend to be the place that we've kind of we've we've always gone to regularly for the last thirty odd years. Um, certainly, Hall is another another, another um, town city that we are. Hidden gems there that people will think about. Some fantastic pubs there, though, aren't there? Yeah, and worth and worth a travel. I, I think that's another place that's kind of reinvented itself, isn't it? And a, a lot of that to do with. I know Siemens are coming in there with building lots of uh, industry and, and the whole kind of pub and entertainment culture as well. So the pub culture is really great. There's lots of new bars and things, and lots lots of bars have been revived. And then, of course, the the kind of mother of them all, the real ale trail, which I'd still like to think we kind of invented before it really became a big thing, or we were certainly doing it, as we've said there, in 86, 87, before it became, as it is now, a bit bit of a phenomenon. So we're going to look at those three trips next week in a bit more detail and talk a little bit about what... Again, if anybody's interested, if you were going out that way, some of the, our highlights, some of the pubs that we think you should probably go and do. So that's the plan for next week. Any final thoughts, gents, before we tie up for the night? No, I don't believe it's going to snow from now until next Thursday, isn't it? So well, it counts. Yeah. Nicholas has gone very... Oh, he's, he's, he's no, oh, yeah, fine. Good. Good. Right, I will stop recording. I've, I've, I finished my beer, so that's about... <laughs> call it a wrap. Well, I've got a coffee pot. I'm just going to finish the evening one, which is very nice from Signature, Signature Brew. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop recording. So uh, cheers, everybody. Hopefully we'll catch you in a week's time. Cheers.